On this week's Physio Foundations podcast, I'm going to have a conversation with new graduate physiotherapist Oliver Wong about his experiences transitioning from university to working life and some of the things he knows now that he wishes he knew back then in the first year of his physiotherapy studies at university. Welcome to the Physio Foundations podcast for another week, a podcast about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So this is part seven of my new graduate series of episodes. So if you're a health profession student or a newly graduated practitioner, this episode is for you. And if you're an educator as well, or a clinician who's interested in working or moving into university education, there'll be something in this episode for you as well. And if you're a highly experienced clinician and you mentor graduate practitioners, um, you may well be listening to the podcast and you may be interested in parts of this conversation as well. So everyone's welcome. And thanks for joining me for another week of the Physio Foundations podcast. So before I bring Ollie on though, I want to explain the reason I want to have these conversations with freshly graduated clinicians. And the real reason is that this is a really important time in your career as a new grad. So particularly if you went straight from university to school, uh, you're still very young, but you're also a fully grown adult and you're an autonomous professional. You've got a lot of professional responsibility and yet you're still developing personally throughout your twenties if things go well. And you've got a lot of choices to make as well. You've got lots of different potential pathways you can walk. And well, at least in my day, sort of did it on my own with a few friends. These days we've got podcasts and lots of opportunities to share these experiences. So that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm also, I want to give a voice to this very important subgroup of our profession, uh, which is the new grad practitioner. And if you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you will have been really impressed by some of their perspectives and experiences. So today I'm talking to another highly successful young professional, physiotherapist Oliver Wong. And uh, I want you to, I want to ask him about his experiences in university, particularly how they prepared him for working as a physio and what he thinks the most important foundational knowledge and skills are for a physio. So enough from me. Let's find out from Ollie. Ollie Wong, welcome to Physio Foundations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was a big, long intro, wasn't it? I'm building you up because you deserve it. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> no worries at all. It's good to be here. Tell, us, tell everyone about your background and interests. Let's find out a bit about you first before we dive into some details of things. Yeah. Um, I, I went to La Trobe University for Physio. Um, I went through the undergrad pathway straight from high school. And as a, a tutor yourself, you've probably heard this a million times, but what got me into physio originally was I did a fair bit of sports growing up and got injured and saw physios. Um, and that sort of led me down that path. If, if I'm honest, in sort of year 11 and 12 of high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, like I remember going through and selecting my courses and I had everything from the defense force to, to a humanities to, to physio. So I sort of had a lot of interest and then sort of decided to gear my sort of pick a, a course based on my career and that career ended up being physio and that's how I ended up in the course of Letro. Um, finished there in 2021 and then was fortunate enough to 
to get a new grad position at Cabrini Hospital, where I'm still at now. With Isabella Smith, with Izzy Smith, who's been yes, on the podcast she, yes, a few episodes yes, ago. Yes, yes, Hello, yes. Izzy. She, she, she has moved on to Monash recently, but we were colleagues for a while. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, correction. She was at Cabrini and now at Monash Health. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've typed all of that in the show notes and said it on the podcast. <laughs> I can't remember everything. But, yeah, so you've worked together uh, with other other grads, of course, but uh, other grads that I know. So, and so yeah, just yeah. for our overseas listeners or interstate listeners, so Latrobe University is in Melbourne, Australia, and it's um, north of the city, whereas Monash University's sort of southeast or down close to the Mornington Peninsula. So, we're near enough to each other. Susanna works, Susanna, the other half of Parrots and Physio, and occasional co host of the podcast. Susanna works at Latrobe University. So, hello to all the educators and researchers there all that great work that they do. So um, how are you finding work? Tell us about just uh, generally how are you finding working as a physiotherapist? Is it what you expected? I think I'll ask answer in two parts. It, sure. It's not, it, if you ask me that in sort of first year or end of high school, it's definitely not what I, what I expected. Um, if you ask me that in sort of fourth year-ish, then probably yes. Um, um, working full-time at Cabrini as a rotating grade one at the moment. I'm also doing a little bit of prior practice work on the side, just at a local clinic in Surrey Hills. Oh, cool. Um, so, so that's keeping me busy. Um, I'd say there was a huge sort of perspective change from being in second or third year where I, I went from someone who is very, I guess, private practice musky and switched into more of a hospital mindset and, and wanted to go down that path instead. Um, which is why I say, if you had asked me what life would be like as working when I was in first year, I'd probably say something completely different to what you would ask, but what I would say in sort of fourth year leading into my new grad role. That's very interesting. So it's not necessarily what you expected in first year. And then did, if I can ask, did it get better? Was it better than expected as you got onto clinics, as you got into fourth year and you discovered that you, you got that perspective change and appreciated yeah. hospital work? For what it was i'd i'd say yes um i think because i went into the the um the study with, with so little perspective um i only knew what prior practice musk physios did I, I doesn't really associate physios with hospital that much sure. um and then it and so I, I sort of kept down that track for sort of first and second year and then by third year, when we got a bit more hospital exposure, there, I remember there was one point where, where I sort of thought, um, because everyone is sort of sort of associates physio with high level sports and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I sort of started to wonder, wonder why, you know, why is there so much emphasis on, you know, sports and elite athletes and elitism when there's people in our community can't walk properly. And yeah. that sort of really switched my perspective a little bit and I started to explore sort of um, hospital-based career career pathways. Yeah, Such an important insight to have at that stage. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just thought, by the way, I still like the, the sort of private practice must side of things and I have really good friends that are in that field. And you're doing it. You're doing the that, keeping those skills sharp at your private practice work on the weekend, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it, it was more for me why is that more meaningful than than you know why is working with the top five percent of the society more meaningful than working with the bottom five percent 
Um, and I guess that's what led me to go down the hospital path. Yeah. Mm. And, and so, I mean, obviously it isn't, there's, there's meaning everywhere. And it's, there's a lot that the bulk of people that you can see, if you look at the entire population, aren't in high level professional sport. That's obviously one role you can do, but it, it's overrepresented in people's minds as they enter the degree, as you alluded to before. Yeah. Absolutely. And not even within degree. You talk to family and friends who aren't in healthcare professions. You mentioned you're a physio and, and they'll say, oh, are you going to work for Arsenal one day? Are you going to do sports and all that sort of stuff? And then you, you tell them you're in hospital and they sort of have all these questions about, you know, what exactly you do. Um, so I just found that quite interesting, especially going into clinical placements and stuff as a student. Yeah. So, the, so ne not necessarily in first year, you didn't necessarily have this vision of, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. Uh, you, you gain that perspective as you moved into the clinical units and then, and now into your clinical role and your, the world has sort of opened up to the possibility of all the people you can work with and you can help. So tell us a little bit about your role. What do you do? So talk to a student here who's in their first year and they're doing potentially musculoskeletal, they're learning anatomy and biomechanics, and they might be still in that mindset. What are some of the really enjoyable things you've done in a hospital that a first year may not, first year physio student may not know about yet? Wow. Um, I think this is something that really comes down to, well, first of all, most grade one roles are rotational. Yeah. So it sort of it comes down to what rotations you end up getting. I've been fortunate enough to experience everything from uh, acute to um, subacute and outpatient rehab as well. Um, so I guess from the musk point of view, oftentimes we associate with the private practice sporting injury sort of stuff, not so much the immediate post-op when they're delirious because they've had a fall and fractured off and that side of things. Mm. Um, so, so I guess the more, the, the, the less clean side of physio in terms of acute, from the acute side of things. Um, and then in terms of rehab, I would probably say the complexity when it comes to discharge planning and that aside from treating the condition and the person in front of you, there's all these complications regarding what's next. There's always a what next. I think that's one thing I didn't really fully understand as a student was you always got to think about what's next, not what's current. There's got to be a next step and you have to sort of plan that ahead, whether it's from a discharge planning point of view in hospital or, or even in private practice. I, I do think there always has to be an end date to when um, someone stops coming to see you. So, so what's next? When are they going to progress? So when are they going to move on from the, this stage? So that's probably the main thing is always thinking about what's coming next for the patient. Yeah. That's a, that's a great answer. And, and you mentioned all the complexity that's a part of the job. It's not just something that mm -hmm. pops up every now and again and, and particularly with discharge planning. And there, there rarely is there a person who's an orthopedic or a neurological or a, you know, a cardiothoracic you know, type of patient. Yeah. Everyone has a bit of everything. That's why they're in hospital, right? Exactly. There's always something else. Mm. You could have a patient who's had a knee replacement who's got, you know, advanced Parkinson's and you have to use sort of Parkinson's principles to rehab them. Mm. Um, similarly, you get a lot of neurological patients who have orthopedic type pain as well. So I, I think even though um, our physios end up specializing in one stream, it's really important to have general knowledge 
And I think that's that's also what got me into rotating grade one hospital roles is I just wanted to um, develop that general knowledge and just just learn like things and just know a lot of things. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good starting point. Would you describe your? So you mentioned was it was it before we press record or was it during it? You mentioned all the diverse things that you had potentially uh, career paths you could do from high school including military and humanities and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right yeah. we had recorded by then we, we, we did we definitely did yeah are you someone with uh, would you describe yourself as someone with really broad interests is it, it does that help you um, have that thirst for knowledge and interested in different things and help you in that grade one rotating physio role where you have to be a generalist and be across a lot of areas yeah i i definitely i i do think that um even now, I'm at a stage where I'm starting to think about how I gear my career and what path I should take. And there are times where I'm sort of stumped and I'm sort of torn between a couple of different options. And that's partially why I decided to take up um, a bit of private work on the side. Mm. It, it is tiring, but I do want to keep that side of things open. Sure. Um, I just want I just want options. I just want to have options. And I think in terms of having options, probably going to that rotating type role is, is is best for young physios. That's what I think at least. Mm. Yeah. There are options. There are many, many options, many pathways, many ways to get to the same place in a different way. But having a thirst for knowledge and having and leaving those options open. I think when you talk about having you know, putting the effort in and it really is effort to work on your weekend in an additional role. It's not necessarily about the money I'm reading between the lines here. It's about thinking where you want to be in the future and also building yourself up. Yeah. I don't think you yeah, can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think you can go too wrong by having that attitude and going into it, being thirsty for knowledge and creating options for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I completely agree. And and that's sort of, sort of something I've taken on board and I just try to apply myself in both those settings and there are there are um skills that sort of um interchangeable as well. I think you know working fire practice gave me a great great perspective into I guess a patient's journey when you go back into the acute orthopedic um board for example and right, a little bit of yeah. vice versa. So um there are definitely interchangeable, very very different, but there are interchangeable aspects of both. Mm. Yeah. In terms of your career path, you mentioned, mm. uh, I sometimes I, I think back to when I was at your stage and. I wonder where, whether I'd given it as much thought as yourself and Brian. You're, you're a high school friend. You mentioned with Brian. You mentioned before we press record with yeah, Brian yeah. Kim, who's a regular on the, the podcast, and Brian introduced you to me. So thanks, Brian, for a very good idea for a guest. So, you know, you're, you're very similar to him in that, in that regard. You've got broad interests and you're, you're interested in lots of different things. And uh, but he was, I, I've had many conversations with Brian about what he could do and keeping those options open. And he's now doing his PhD up in Sydney, which is, he's a go-getter. What, so not everyone has that, uh, you know, a couple of years out of the university has that career planning. What are you going to do? Do you have a plan for five to 10 years from now? I'd, I wouldn't expect you to have an answer to this. I'll be impressed if you do. First of all, I just want to say Brian's broadness of interest is is incredible. It's far beyond what what anything I could imagine for myself, at least. Um, I think to to answer your question, no, 
Um, I haven't got a career plan. I'd say I've got a career um, brainstorm. Right. So there's things I'd like to do in the next five to 10 years. I'm not sure how I would piece them together. And I'm not sure in what order they'd come. Um, I definitely want to stay in hospital for a little bit longer. Mm. I do want to, and I've sort of partially done this by starting to do a little bit of private work, but I want to get exposure into something that's not hospital as well. So that's private practice for me at the moment. Um, and at some point down the track, I would like to do a little bit of teaching um, yeah, great. In, at, at some sort of university, ideally. Um, so I, I think I'm someone that likes variation in yeah. my career. Um, I wouldn't want to sit in the clinic 40 hours a week, but I would like, but I would love to do a little bit that little bit of that if there's variation into it. So some sort of part-time hospital with with, with teaching and, and maybe ongoing prior practice would be really, really good. Um, mm. In terms of clinical, I guess, specialization, if you want to word it that way, um, I would probably say orthopedics is sort of where my interest lies. Um, I do love learning about the neurology side of things, which I've which I've had a little bit of exposure to at Cabrini's thus far. But long long term wise, I just still probably see myself more in the orthopedic and musk world. Um, so probably going down that path. Um, yeah. That's such a good <laughs> answer to that question. I felt bad asking it. I, I I was glad you didn't have a plan because then you don't, you're not agile. You can't, you know, you can't, if you stick to that plan, you close off a lot of other doors as you're going and you don't know, just like when you're first year, you didn't know what fourth year of physio was going to be like. You don't know what's coming up, but I really like that. You've got, instead of having a plan, you've got a list of things that you'd like to do and you, you know, and you, on top of the list is variation, which can potentially Definitely, lead yeah, to a specialization yeah. area, which you haven't cemented into your, into your mind yet, but You've got thing areas that will take you there, such as, for example, being in pro, in part-time private practice, maybe some part-time hospital. Education is a really, really good way to develop your thinking and to share your knowledge with people, and it's really rewarding. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that um, in terms of career path or career development, it's all about – because it's very hard to set that in stone. So there's opportunities that will that might present or might not present, mm-hmm. and – it's, I think it's just about not necessarily preempting or planning when or what opportunities to take, but more just making yourself as ready as possible so that when they do arise, you're in a good position to go for them. Um, but yeah, I don't really believe in planning a career path. I just don't think that ever really works as you originally plan it. Yeah. It could be based on things you don't know yet. And exactly, based on what exactly. you were thinking five years ago, by the time it actualizes yeah. and making yourself as ready as possible, which is sort of putting yourself in the position where you, so building up your network, no doubt you're doing, yeah. are you going to conferences and professional development events and things? Or at the moment you're, you've finished at the end of 2021. So it's only been a couple of years. Um, what have you been I've, doing I've, in terms of building your network? I've been to a few um, professional development courses. Um, the the major ones off the top of my head was there was an ex- explain pain course that started last year that I attended, um, and then this, the Al- Alfred Hospital every year runs a trauma course, so I attended that last year as well. And then Cabrini 
which is very, very good of them. Managed to organize an in-house sort of introduction to movement, which is part of the Bobath introductory course for us. So there's a few major courses, and then there's online lectures and things, um, mainly in orthopedics and, and neurology that I've attended, but that's mainly just looking online and, and looking for for stuff that interests me to, to watch and learn about. Yeah. Mm. You can really supplement the formal courses and that training that you can get from from bigger organizations like Cabrini and the Alfred, and with so much free online development and yeah, not to mention yeah. podcast episodes and following interesting people on social media. Are you on, are you, do you dip into the professional social media or if you, you're too busy with your six days a week of work? Not massively, to be honest. It's, it's, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't either yeah. when I was, when I was your age, for sure. I'd be staying off. I, I think there's probably a couple people online that I sort of keep an eye on here and there, but I, I think social media isn't, I don't really think social media is for professional development. I think if I want to learn something, I'll go and look it up and properly, properly learn about it. Um, I just, and from, from the ones that I've seen, I just don't think an Instagram post really does justice to, to what they're trying to actually say. Mm, um, I was thinking Twitter where, where you get lots of links to the re- recent articles and evidence that's been published. But at the same yeah. time, you, you, know, you, you make a really good point that that's not necessary, even if it's, of, uh, say a an article that's just been published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, a top-rated sports medicine journal. It's only the one that someone's decided to show you. There's still bias inherent in that. Like you're not doing exactly, a, exactly. a structured yeah, literature yeah, review yeah. or looking it up. So that's a, that's a mature answer to that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I'm not actually I'm not actually on Twitter, but I would agree with everything you said. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good and bad and everything in between. It, there's um, there's there's a lot of people. I've I've got several guests on the podcast who I've only known through there, and I've been so so Scott Morrison, not the Prime Minister, former <laughs> Prime Minister, that the um, the physiotherapist um, from the USA. So Scott's been on and talked about uh, measuring strength and handheld dynamometry. Um, Greg Lehman was on a couple of episodes ago, and I've only met them through that forum, through that specific um, social media platform. Um, so it's good, very good, but then it's got its problems as well. So mm-hmm. you, you, it sounds like you've got a, a more than enough uh, professional development going on between those courses, and you, you, you'll probably find you'll get yourself into conferences at some stage as well. Have you ever been to a scientific conference? Not yet. Not yet. Sports Medicine Australia. Well, we're talking about sports medicine. There's many other conferences in neurology and orthopedics and anything you can think of. I think, well, the answer is I I haven't yet. Um, I would, to to me, I feel like I'd want to know and be more interested and invested in in that specific field before I think about attending some Uh, some of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was the same. Uh, So you're doing the wise thing of going and as you said, you want to um, variation and you want to be uh, get, getting yourself upskilled and knowledgeable in a variety of areas and, mm. and leaving lots of doors open, meeting lots of people and developing that direction that you take it in and not rather than having a plan, I'm going to go and do this. Your plan is to go and find out what it is. And then exactly, exactly. Mm. And fantastic. And pretty much just keeping my eyes open and keeping an open mind without really, really, without, you know, narrowing my opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned education and hmm. um, your interest in being an educator, which is really so good to hear. 
let's think about our students who are in first or second year physiotherapy or another degree. If you're not a physiotherapist in a health professions, university degree, what are the most important foundational knowledge and skills, do you think? From your perspective, you could say anything you like, just your answer. I want you to think back to first year physio. Yeah. First and yeah. second year physio, we yeah. did lots of foundational knowledge and skills in um, particularly you know, around basic science and biomechanics, physiology, anatomy. Of, of all that stuff, what do you take with you now that you, you actually use? There's quite a few things. First of all, I think anatomy and physiology are so important to, to know and just have a good solid understanding of. Not necessarily the super, super, super fine details, but I think no matter what field you go into, that's going to be that's going to be relevant. Um, obviously, if you end up going into the neuro, you're going to know a lot about the neuroanatomy as opposed to orthopedics, for example. But I think that's something that's as much as it's annoying to memorize stuff. I do think it's worthwhile having that base knowledge. Um, and at the end of the day, that anatomy and physiology, it does it it is the building blocks of why we do what we do in terms of our interventions. Um, you mentioned biomechanics, which I think is very important, um, especially when you're looking at retraining movement, which is what we do in orthopedics and neurology, um, and obviously in prior practice as well. Um, and I think because it's so numbersy and, and mathsy in terms of learning like the gait cycle and stuff like that, a lot of students don't take that too seriously um, when they go through it. Okay. Because it, well, I, I would have thought I, I the found, opposite if it was if it was very data driven that you could I could that's very concrete and the things I might not take seriously if I haven't haven't worked as a clinician before might be the things like communication into professional learning and and things that are, oh what's that but interesting I, okay I, I probably wouldn't say take seriously I'd say maybe me struggle to struggle to grasp when when, when we're studying um, okay. What I've noticed, at least, a lot of students from Latrobe aren't the mathsy numbers people. Um, so that side of things sort of just gets you just sort of get through to finish the exam and you forget about. But I think that's that stuff is actually really really important um, to know. And the final thing which which you mentioned is all the communication and and I think a lot of people these days call it soft skills or interpersonal skills. Mm. I definitely fell into the part of the cohort that thought that stuff was was useless and, and bs and and didn't think it was that relevant because to me i was all about learning tangible skills and tangible knowledge and i remember we started the year and there was a four-week block on communication and i just thought what is going on this just teach me something real i, I remember thinking to myself teach me something real and wow, okay. three years later i'm in my first year and 90 percent of what i'm doing is just talking and communicating and I look back to that first four weeks and I go, actually, that was really important. And, and I don't think and I don't think I really understood how important that was. And it took me to, to, to start working to actually appreciate that aspect of the course. Yeah. It's, it's really tough to sell the importance of that to people. It'd be like, it'd be like if, if you'd never heard music before and I wanted to tell you how beautiful this piece of music was and it, all you needed to do is just you know have basic understanding of music and you'd appreciate what i was saying you could almost imagine the piece of music or the genre i was talking about so and you yeah. see 
yeah, you think you teach me something real. And now fast forward to 2023 and you're talking to me about this is one of the most important things you do. This is underpins how you help people in your role is being a communicator. I think it's the most important thing because, uh, yeah. because, and, and I, I feel so um, naive thinking back to, to when I was sort of in first and second year um, because none, and this gets said so much and I'm, I apologize if I'm repeating what you've heard before, but I think none of the real or tangible skills and knowledge that I wanted to learn about in first and second year, none of that really matters if you can't express it. Um, and I think communication, aside from verbally or or um, relaying information, there's also the whole teaching aspect of teaching the patient how to do certain things. And to me, that's how you express you know, how you express your knowledge is through that side of the intervention as well. Um, and none of that really matters if you can't convey it and express that. So I think communicate, we are communicators that know specific skills. Mm. That, that's how I would just sort of describe our profession at the moment. Yeah. So that's really, that's really, really interesting. Let's try to bring this back to the perspective of a student who's in university and they're listening to you and saying, okay, you've sold me when I'm a physio, when I'm in a hospital, obviously these personal skills and communication skills are going to be a big part of the role, but how do I actually develop them while I'm in university, while I'm doing all the tangible things you mentioned before, like uh, learning the gait cycle and learning biomechanics and memorizing anatomy, for example. What, what opportunities were there for you in university to actually practice some of these skills before you went on clinics? I'll, I'll preface this by saying, I don't think I did any of this when I was a student. However, my advice would be to, every time you're learning something new, and I'm talking about the, the clinical skills and knowledge, is think about if there was a patient in front of you with that pathology, how would you actually how would you actually tell them or how would you actually um convey what you learn what you know to that person um like i said i didn't do any of that as a student um the only sort of practice i would we would do is is get together before practice exams and sort of run through as a bit of sort of a role play um and which, which i think is a great idea as well but talking to even talking to family members um and, and talking to people who are outside of the profession because that's who you deal with. You, you don't oftentimes, well, you do sometimes, but most of the time the person sitting in front of you isn't a colleague, it isn't a peer. It's someone yeah. who, who, who is out of that. So I think it's, it's important to, to get used to talking about physio stuff to non-physio people. Yes. And again, I didn't do that very well as a student. Well, it's hard to. But I because wish I did. Because you, you're very busy and you've got a lot to do. The, the people that you're studying with are also studying physiotherapy. So you have the curse of knowledge working, as we've talked about in this podcast before, working overtime, um, giving us this impression that everyone's understanding everything we're saying and you don't necessarily know what it's like to not know these things. And when you talk to a family member or talk to kids, if the, if you've got them in your family or got them yourself, explain it to a kid. Oh, that's a lot of fun. When I first started explaining complex stuff to my kids, that did change the way I approach communication for the better. 
dad. It's just, there's so many examples. <laughs> What's tax? You got you can't and you have to give them a, a entertaining, quick, straightforward answer. And it's oh, that's actually quite quite a good analogy. And you can start um, start thinking of ways to communicate in a way that's going to be on their level. So talking to so so practicing with family members. So practice maybe even when you're practicing with your peers in these sessions leading up to practical exams, for example. Just the role playing, starting that role playing a little bit earlier. And I, I did a clinical communication support session, which we run for our students from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Uh, so the COLD, as the acronym is, students in our group. And I did that with Joe Corbett yesterday. And that's exactly what we did. That was the key message from the session, just to actually practice explaining it to. So I'm working here with Ollie. You're the, the patient. I'm pretending to be the physio. I'm not only going to introduce myself and go through the steps of gaining consent and explain to you why I'm, I'm going to assess your shoulder, explain to you why I need you to take your top off because I need to see it and explain why I'm going to put my hands on you because, you know, I need to have a feel about what's going on and help guide some of the movements. And, you know, and, and actually if you don't practice that with each other, there's a fair chance that it won't be natural when you were doing it with a person, especially when you're under pressure is that what's, how did you find when you graduated, um, you went with those, all those skills, all those communication skills when you first started working with people in the big scary world? I think part of it was um, I, I had to, I felt a need to almost sell myself to the patients because at the back of my head, I'm always, I was very conscious that I'm a new grad. I'm a first year out. You know, you want to be able to have the patients to have confidence in you. So a big part of it was was just doing, trying to do whatever I did with confidence. Um, I would say, again, for someone who who um, thought that communication side of things was was BS in second year, I, I do think I developed my communication style quite well, sort of through my third and fourth year. Um, placement so and I got a, a diverse enough sort of patient population that I exposed to that I was able to communicate decently with, with most of my patients but it just wasn't very um it was it just wasn't very well I guess it was a little bit messy at times I sort of didn't really know um how I wanted to 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 present myself as a clinician and and part of that I think is just getting to know who you are as a physio I think but um overall I, I'd probably say there was a big part of it that was just trying to put confidence into the patient because I knew I was so young in my career yeah even though you could feel that there was some inexperience there and as you said there's some sometimes you felt that it wasn't as, uh, as smooth or as sophisticated as it could have been you kept your chin up and said, well, I'm going to project confidence without it being arrogant and false confidence, which is very unattractive, but to have this confidence and just knowing where you're at, knowing that it's normal to be developing these skills, right? And just give yourself some slack as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think aside from the patient facing side of things, the other part of communication was actually with the wider MDT. Um, I think as, as, as a student, I never ever spoke to, you know, doctors and surgeons and stuff. Even if I was told to, I would, I would 
avoid at all costs. I was super, super, you know, nervous and, and literally scared of some, of some of these um, doctors and things. And so that's probably a side of MDT communication that didn't. Sorry, really so what's develop. MDT? Multidisciplinary team. Okay, great. Um, and then we, we get to the to um, working as, as a grade one, and you know we have case conferences with the doctors. You look you, on the acute ward, you know, especially in orthopedics, you're talking to the surgeons and and the medical staff, and all of a sudden you have to develop that really professional um, communication style, which which I think as someone in the early twenties can be a bit confronting. Mm. Um, but, but again, looking back to when I was a student on placement, that's probably something that I wish I'd sort of stepped out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. There's a persona that you present to your friends, to your family and to your work colleagues that, that is different. And it's, it's, it's totally fine. That's, you, that's, you, that's how you're meant to be. Yeah. That, yeah. That's how you, <laughs> it's how you communicate with people. Right. It's, and it, it's, it's funny you say that because my dad uh, retired last year. And he's GP for decades, so a general practitioner or physician if you're in this uh, in America. And um, he was, yeah, I've grown up around doctors and medical people. And it's funny, I had the exact same experience when I was a new grad and when I was a student, especially in hospitals with the hierarchy and the organisation of it and the time pressure to, to get the message clearly communicated to somebody. And it, was no, it, was, it wasn't easier for me at all, even though I – had met so many mm-hmm. doctors and had spoken to so many people. Um, you yeah. have to, you sort of, you're thinking, you're feeling self-conscious and you do want to communicate I, things clearly. And the more you can relax and just know that this is another person, 99% of the time they want the best for you. They, they don't want you to be uncomfortable in your workplace or as a student, they want to help you Yeah, and just yeah, talk yeah. to them. That's what helped me. Um, I, I'd say, you know, people always say, just be yourself. But I do think, especially as physios, where we're dealing with so much patient contact, patient facing, mm. you do have to step into that a, a bit of a physio character. Yeah, I have to step yeah. into that role a little bit, and and it, and oftentimes that isn't hundred percent yourself. Um, and I think that's okay. I think as long as you're comfortable with the character that you're stepping into. I don't see an issue with that being, you know, different to, you know, who you are. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I do think sometimes people talk about, you know, just just be yourself, just you know, just relax, just be yourself. But that's not entirely true as well. I think mm. it's not imposter syndrome to to be stepping into a character and not know everything about what that character is going to say or what they should say, or and not be perfect and make mistakes, which you will make, as long as those mistakes aren't serious and life-threatening and as long as you're reflecting on them, as we've talked about on many episodes in the past, there's a difference between stepping into character there and having a work persona and and being a trustworthy professional person who has that tone that that can gain that confidence, as you mentioned, from other people, particularly the people you work with, but but, uh, your the patients you work with, but also the the other staff, right? There's a difference. It doesn't mean you're You've got imposter syndrome if you if you're not feeling 100 percent confident about that. It's not not an easy thing yeah, to do yeah, yeah, as a new yeah. grad. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, as long as the intention is genuine and right. authentic, whatever character you you need to 
you need to step into to achieve that is isn't that relevant to me mm. so um oftentimes when, when you start to talk about stepping into characters and stepping into th- this or that sort of role people think oh like you know you're not being genuine or authentic but i think at heart if if the if the intention to, to do what you do is the same and it's genuine um i think it's absolutely okay to step into like that sort of physio character role and then step out of that when you're done mm. oh, that, this is powerful i always feel that at the end of these conversations, as we sort of sum this up, especially talking to new grads, that if I were young, if I were just graduated and I were listening to this, I would feel a sense of relief almost hearing someone else say that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to have Mm -hmm. this feeling of being being yourself, but also being in character and and the feeling of your confidence uh, evolving. And well, it's also, it's not the same as saying fake it till you make it either. That's not what you said, um, which is a a common and popular phrase. That's not what you said. It's talking about developing a really difficult thing to do, which is complex communication with complex patients in a complex healthcare system with noise all around you and having that calmness to say, well, I'm going to step into this character, do my best. It's actually quite the project, isn't it? It, it is, and, yeah. and and that character changes as well. It's it's not the same character. Like I'm sure if I step into the Ollie physio 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 Ollie and, and non physio Ollie, physio Ollie now is different to physio Ollie a year ago. I, I hope at least, yeah. And hopefully in five years' time, that's that's changed as well. Um, so I think exactly as you said, it's 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 not so much fake it as you fake it till you make it. It's about sort of developing clinician version of you. Mm. Um, and that's something that that will always change um, as, as uh, obviously as you progress through your career. Mm. Yeah. And as long as Ollie, when he's having a night out with his friends, Ollie, when he's working in the, in the clinic on Saturday, Ollie in the, in the wards of the hospital working with doctors or work, working with people with yeah. conditions, as long as that Ollie is genuine, that's the main thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Ollie can go ahead and just work hard across his career to develop all these things and it doesn't have to be perfect and he won't be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly talking about you in the third person. Yeah. I was about to say, you can stop the third person thing now. (laughs) We'll cut that out. But genuine is a, if I was doing a word salad of the, or or not a word salad, what are they called? One of those word diagrams that come up on the screen. There'd be some keywords that were popping up from this conversation. You know, and and one of them would be genuine, which is really important. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. So we could continue um, for a long time on this, I, I reckon we'll wrap it up, but is there anything else that you, any other messages you wanted to, to add to, particularly to our students who are listening, who are sort of looking up to you and going, wow, I'd like to be in that position one day. Um, what, what else would you tell them? What, what messages would you tell them? I'd say, um, like we touched on before, career pathways often aren't very straightforward. And there's a lot of um, uncertainty that goes into how your career ends up and and opportunities pop up or, or don't pop up depending depending on your situation so I think especially for the students heading into placement the most important thing for physio students aside from this uh, I mean I did say that there are important knowledge that you should know 
but aside from the the specific um i guess real really like tangible clinical knowledge i think students especially through placements the most important thing is developing habits and because these this is what's interchangeable no matter where you end up um you know for example if you if you develop really good safety habits in the, in the acute ward mm. it doesn't really matter to some extent whether it's um, acute cardio or orthopedics gen med you those habits are interchangeable similar thing with the communication you know i find that really good communicators in prior practice you're using the same skills on the hospital as well so think less about specifics and more about developing really solid general habits and principles that are versatile and agile and you can apply no matter what setting you end up in. That's what I'd say. Focus on the habits, not the specifics. That's really, really valuable. Thanks, Ollie. We're, we're really, well, I'm really looking forward to seeing where you go next. So I'd love to have you back again. I've said the same thing to Brian a couple of times and he's, I think he's onto round three. Um, and so yeah, it's good. So we might have some recurrent guests and I'm, I'm doing a weekly podcast. I have missed a few weeks in the middle of last year, but I'm going for aiming for weekly episodes. And so there's going to be lots and lots of episodes, plenty of chances for us to reconnect and sort of see where you went on that journey. And, but at this stage to be only a couple of years out to have such insight into uh, the bigger picture of what you're doing is actually really inspirational for me. And I'm sure it is for people listening to this. And so I'm sure I'm confident that people listening to this have got a lot out of the conversation. So really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll wrap it up there, everyone. Thanks for joining us in the conversation. You can connect with us at Periton Physio uh, on social media. You can find me at Luke Periton and you can find Ollie in the future. It's going to be a big name in <laughs> running courses. He's going to be presenting at conferences. He's going to be teaching at universities. But for now, he's hiding away from you. Online. Do you have any, <laughs> can, can people connect with you on LinkedIn or anywhere or do you want to hide away and get the job I, done for now? My my social network persona is actually very lacking. I don't really have anything, any sort of professional um, online identity at the moment. So That's I'm still good. working on yeah. that. Yeah, no, you've got a. It's it's funny for someone without a without a, a rigid plan. You have quite a lot of thinking and strategy underpinning what you're doing. So, and I think staying off, you know, getting too distracted by things is is a curse for a lot of people. So it's probably a good idea. But you, at some stage, when you've you know, particularly when you've got research outputs and you're doing education work, you may be someone who's creating content in, in the position I'm in here. So people can follow you then. So anyway, look, watch out for this guy in the future. So thanks, Ollie, for coming on for a chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. It's been fun. So until next time, this is Ollie and Luke wishing you all the very best with your studying, professional development and lifelong learning. <laughs>